Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I am the host of the Sendcast and I'm also the managing director of B Squared. If you are a new listener, welcome to the podcast. The aim of the Sendcast is simple. We want to reach lots of people so we can all learn more about special educational needs and disability. The podcast supports all professionals working with children or young people with SEND, and it also supports parents and carers of all children. This week, my guest is Georgina Durrant. Georgina is a fellow podcaster. She is the host of Sending the Experts. She runs the SEN Resources blog. She is an author, and she's also a private tutor for children with SEND. The Sendcast is created and produced by us here at B Square, and over the last 25 years, we have supported schools to support students with special needs. We have helped schools show the small steps of progress pupils with SEND make. And over the last few years, we've started to deliver high-quality, easy-to-access training in CPD for schools around SEND. We launched Training for Education a few years ago with a virtual SEND conference, and it now has an amazing lineup of speakers offering a variety of training sessions. If you want to find out more about our assessment products or our online training courses, visit the B-Squared website, which is www.bsquared.co.uk. Let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing how to boost reading and writing through play. My guest is Georgina Durrant. Georgina is the founder of the award-winning Ascend Resources blog, author of 100 Ways Your Child Can Learn Through Play, and her book, How to Boost Reading and Writing Through Play. Seems to be a focus on play there. She's also a tutor for children with SEND, and finally, she's also the host of another podcast for SEN called Send in the Experts. That was launched early this year. Welcome to the show, Georgina. Hi, Dale. Thanks so much for having me. You are welcome. So you were a guest here year and a half ago it feels like but yeah ages ago i was trying to work out when i was a guest i think it was a year and a half ago yeah so first of all how does it feel to be on someone else's podcast now you've started your own absolutely terrifying and i don't like i'm not in control i want to ask you questions i want to have the edit button so then if i laugh too much i can just reduce reduce the laughing down yeah i don't like not being in control dale it's pretty rubbish really (laughs) but no i'm also pleased to be on your podcast You can't do anything about the editing or the laughing, but you can ask questions. Okay, cool. We'll just see if I switch into podcast host mode and ask you some questions then, Dale. I might start doing my hand signals. Go, my my show, my show, my show. (laughs) Back off. (laughs) So you seem to be focused on learning through play. Yes, I like play. And today we're discussing the reading and writing. Yeah. So uh, you've obviously got a new book out, but it might be something to do that while you're on the podcast. Might be. I thought it might be a good idea. (laughs) might just mention the book a few times if that's all right but so reading and writing are obviously very big at the moment well they're always big but especially I think at the moment with the children being at home and maybe not being able to access a lot of reading material Mm -hmm. and also probably not doing extended writing at home which is then being looked at and stuff so it's probably a big area which kind of needs a lot of support over the next 20,000 years as we yeah, try and catch up. I think so. And I think that's one of the reasons. So the first book, 100 Ways Your Child Can Learn Through Play, was all about sort of, you know, developing really important skills through play. And so everything from like fine motor skills, gross motor skills, social skills, literacy, numeracy, all of those sort of things through play. And then I think I was very aware that now a big focus for parents has been, and for teachers, is on reading and writing because I hate the term to catch up, but I think it's an area that we're worried that children need to catch up on. And 
part of me, I'm a bit torn with it because, I, you know, obviously you don't want children to struggle with their reading and writing, but I'm also so aware that what they've actually missed out on is play. Like they've missed out with playing with their grandparents. They've missed out with playing with their friends. They've missed, they've just missed out. And I would hate for there to be so much focus on catching children up on stuff that then it's going to be disadvantaging their sort of mental health and well-being because play is what children do. So I sort of wanted to combine the two to make, to help people be able to catch, I hate the word, catch up on reading and writing, but do it in a way that is is good for children and good for their well-being and fun because there's not been as much fun as there should have been so yeah I'm all about play and let's face it they're not mini adults are they like children aren't just mini adults that, that can sit at a desk and do loads of reading and writing they they want to be running around they want to be jumping they want to be climbing and that's what they should be doing we shouldn't be changing them so we just need to weave weave in this literacy into their play and make it more accessible for them I think well, I think if we remember that the children who are just starting in year four, so we're currently recording beginning of September 2022. Yeah. So those who are currently going into year four, I think COVID would have hit this country when they were towards the end of year one. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So year one's in year three. They've they've not really had, apart from last year, but could you call last year normal? They've not really had a normal, a normal year at school. Like they didn't do a full year of reception. They missed out on like half a year of reception play. They've and then they missed out on bits of year one and then they're into key stage two now and be, sat at a desk doing loads of writing and it's like what about their play they use their children they're gonna not gonna be children forever and it is i think as you go through those years reading and writing changes you are going from very much play and you're slowly transitioning yeah and part of that transition is kind of the motivation and getting that hook and why we do this and all that lot and it takes time and if you haven't really had that and you're now trying to go proper writing, lots of writing, joined up writing, pen, all that sort of stuff. And they haven't had that slow transition and all those building blocks and scaffolding to help them do that. It's going to be a challenge. And just trying to do more of that writing in that way isn't going to help. No, it's not. It's not going to help at all. And it, yeah, they, they just need to be enjoying it. It's not just about boosting their skills in reading and writing. It's making them feel confident, actually want to do it as well. And to love it, like I write books I enjoy writing it's I find it enjoyable I enjoy reading I like sitting and reading a book we need to sell it to children they need to realize it's not just something they have to do now they're in year two year three whatever and they're sat at a desk it's actually it's a hobby it's enjoyable you know I I look forward to writing my books it should be something that we can enjoy and I'm, you know obviously there's lots of barriers that are in the way and there's going to be things that children are going to need more support with I'm not suggesting that everyone's going to fall in love with reading and writing but it's our job to make it so that they can if they want to and to sort of, you know, break down those barriers. Well, I think with you, you're writing your books is you know exactly what you want, what you want to write and why. Mm -hmm. And that drives you. There are some things I would dive in. And before I've even noticed, I've written 20 pages in Word. And it is just my fingers are going. And that's yeah. just it. The next bit I've got to write, I just put off and put off because I know I've got to write it. But I don't know how to start it. I don't know what I'm going to write, but I need to write it. And I just will put it off forever. Mm -hmm. So for me, we're not talking about how to write or the structure. It's like the biggest thing is that I want to write yeah. and I know what I'm going to write about and I'm enthused. And that's the biggest thing. When someone sits there, I just, yeah, I just started writing and I just wrote a book. And I was like, no, no one does Nobody that. Nobody does that, no. But unless you really have a want and a need and you've got lots of things and you see the problem and you want to fix it, all of that comes together, you can write a book. Yeah. 
And I think as well, it's self-esteem, isn't it? Like if you get knocked back so many times, children, if they don't feel successful at it, they're not going to want to keep trying. Like a ridiculous example, but I I find parking my camper van really, really difficult, right? And if the more times that I try and fail, the worse I feel about myself and parking. And it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? I once had, actually once when it before, maybe it's not even the camper van, maybe it's just cars. Oh gosh. (laughs) Once, Once I was trying to park my car on a street, and I'd been driving for like five years. And this man, I think he thought he was being like kind and helpful. He came to the window and I pulled down the window and he said to me, learning to drive. I was like, no, no, not learning to drive. You know, been driving for five years, just struggling here. But that knocked my confidence. He won't remember that conversation, but gosh, I do. You know, and it makes you not want to keep trying. Like I purposefully avoid parking in difficult spots now. I can park, but... So you're the person who goes to Tesco's and parks that single car miles away. Yeah, 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 that's my car. If anyone wants to find me, that's (laughs) my car. (laughs) Miles away from anybody else's or the person that gets there early to things so that they can get a parking space and don't have to stress about it. But that's because, you know, nobody's told me I'm good at it. I've been constantly knocked back with it. And it's the same for, you know, reading and writing. If you don't feel successful at it as a child, why would you keep trying? Like, what is the incentive to keep trying? If you're constantly being told that, if you're constantly aware that you're not doing very well at it, maybe you can see your peers are doing a lot better at it than you. Maybe you're doing a spelling test and you keep getting things wrong or you're reading in front of the class and you're struggling with it. If that is happening time and time again, how on earth are you expecting that child to keep going? Like, nobody can do that. That's, you know, you can be as resilient as you want them to be, but nobody can keep trying when they're finding it hard. And I think we need to help them with that. Yeah, so Alison Knowles, the emotional therapist, is when we have conversations, I say, oh, yeah, this happened, but I'm fine with it. She went, well, obviously not, because you're remembering it. Mm. So you're remembering it's that parking thing has had a huge impact on you. So there are phrases I can still hear my teachers say yeah. from secondary school. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one. Which was, my handwriting is so bad. Yeah. My handwriting is atrocious. And also, if I'm really not bothered, it gets even worse. Mm-hmm. And we had a supply teacher in and I got called up to the front of the class so she could check my work. And I was just not in, I hate this topic. I hate this subject. I don't want really. And I handed the work and she looked at it and she just said to me, have you got special needs? Oh my goodness. What? And I sort of sat there and just <laughs> went, in my head, I did the rather rude word of what? <laughs> and I, I, I split a community going, just can't say that. No. <laughs> the first part. And wow, I'm that bad. <laughs> Your first assumption was That's that. awful. I feel like I want to ask you questions about this now as the podcast says, can we go deeper into this tale? <laughs> I literally went home and my mum who taught in a special school, I've got various lots of experience when I was, this was like 13. I just went, this isn't right, is it? She went, oh, both wrote a letter. <laughs> Supply teacher was never seen in that school again. Excellent. But I was just literally going, wow, yeah. that is how my writing, that's what you thought about my writing. And what's awful is she probably doesn't remember saying it now. She's not sat, you know, on a podcast right now (laughs) discussing how she said this awful thing to this child called Dale Pickles. Well, I'm just sitting here rocking still. (laughs) And that was, that was 30 years ago. But that's the thing is, and when you say things like that, some people go, well, if I say that, they'll improve. Yeah, Mm. some children work like that. If you say something negative, they will jump and never do that again. But I think that's not most children. No, I would agree. And I think you've got to... (laughs) 
it's yeah it would have to be like a rare time for it to happen for you then to be like no I'm you'd have to have a lot of self-confidence in yourself that you know that you're you can do it to rise against the challenge if if it's something that's happening a lot which for a lot of SEND children it is like those knockbacks then yeah they're not gonna have the confidence to just rebel against it and be like I'm gonna prove you wrong (laughs) but I just had I just got lots of little memories like that Mm. throughout my time in secondary school one of my mum kept my reports I found this report and we spent ages decoding what it says. And it was a really, it was literally, my science teacher was like a doctor. He'd written this thing <laughs> ages. And we finally understood it. It said, Dale must improve his handwriting. And that took us 20 minutes to read it. Because of his handwriting. <laughs> and you're like... The irony. Yeah, but that's the thing. So I have all these comments about my writing. And it was always handwriting, which basically put me off writing, which meant I then didn't develop so many skills around writing beyond... Hand- it was always handwriting was looked at and you're rubbish. It's only when I started writing website copy, I started writing blogs, I started writing documents, and I started doing that sort of stuff at B squared that I actually started to improve my English. And there's so many things I wished I'd learned at school that I picked up for my daughter doing her sets. Wow. Imagine if you'd have been given like the tech though, like at school, so if you'd even given, you know, the laptop or the things like that that would have helped, how different your experience would have been. Well, my mum, this is going back years, is my mum used to tell, it's a great it's a great thing of when we look at the order of learning things, it was when the RP levels, it was P4 and P5 was picking up a pencil in the physical motions. Then later on became using capital letters and full stops. And my mum always used me an example because I could write, hello, my name is Dale with capital letters and full stops on the BBC B micro, if you remember those. No, I'm younger BBC than you. BBC B Micro, it's a cream and yellow, <laughs> cream and black computer, very old. Every primary school ran on those in the 80s. There was one on a trolley which got ferried around. <laughs> so I could draw, hello, my name is Dale, with capital letters and full steps before I could pick up a pen or a pencil. Wow. Yeah. So if I had tech yeah. in school, I would be a very different person than I am now because they wouldn't have looked at my handwriting. They would have looked at what I wrote. Yeah. And what the, what I wrote, what I wrote, yeah, whatever. I think I can't say if wrote was the correct word there. Wrote, right? What I had written or what I wrote. Had written. Both is fine, yes. I think. <laughs> I still remember, I literally, you know, you have those brain fart moments. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, I can remember this. I can remember getting up and walking up to teacher and I'd written this word three times. I went, that's so wrong. I went, how do you spell done? <laughs> <laughs> Coming back, writing D-U-N and going, that is so wrong. <laughs> Right again. How else she would you spell it? it? Yeah. And I asked the teacher, and she looked at me. And she was, "Don't be so stupid. Go sit down." And I went, sat down, and I went, <laughs> That's how "I don't know how to spell yeah. the word done." And I got home, and I saw it. And I went, "Of course, it's D O N E." Oh my god, that was the response. So the spe- just so many little, little things. Yeah, we all have those brain fart moments. You can't think of the word. No, and you're absolutely. going blank, and you're going, you know the. Car, that's what we went to work. <laughs> Whatever it is, you're literally going, you know, thing with the steering wheel. But you just have these moments. Yeah, and I just, a couple of little things made me feel rubbish yeah. about English. And the fact I got, I think I got two C's in li- English language and literature, I literally went, oh, I never have to do that ever again. Oh, I've got past the minimum barrier yeah. of getting C's. I'm done with me. English for the yeah. rest of my life. That's how I felt. Yeah. There was no love of learning or that. I hated it. And yeah. And you might, if you listen to the podcast, you'll probably hear me moan about various things like Shakespeare and stupid stuff and things in <laughs> history. Still, still there in my trauma of my childhood. <laughs> but 
it's now what I love about this podcast is I learn kind of what should have been going on. Yeah. And I imagine it's frustrating as well, like looking back, being like, oh, yeah, if I could have had that person teaching me or sorting it out for me, this wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't. But I, I generally with primary schools, I am so happy with what goes on in yeah. primary schools. And my wife was an assistant head teacher many years ago. She went back to the school she taught in this week oh, and wow. was just in awe of it. Yeah. Amazing, and I think primary schools are doing amazing. Yeah. And I do think we're getting away from this almost, I think the rain being talked about this Victorian education system we're still kind of clinging on to. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of primary schools are going, no, let's just do what's right. And I think there's more, a lot more fun. Yeah. And I would say motivation yeah. goes on. So it's not about we're going to write a story every week. It's, Let's go do something. Yeah, get the hook. Get the hook. Embed ourselves in something. Get the feeling. Work out the why. Feel the wind. Feel the crunchy leaves. All that sort of stuff. And then write a story. Which, let's face it, if you're like a novelist, that is probably what you would do, isn't it? You would go immerse yourself in a Scottish island that we're talking about before the podcast. Go immerse yourself in some Scottish island and get a feel for it before you'd start writing about it. You wouldn't just sit in a city centre starting writing about it, would you? And it's also a great place to learn how to park a camper. Yeah, that's why I went. Remote Scotland. <laughs> to be fair, I didn't actually drive very much. My husband still did most of the driving. Again, because I hate parking it. It is big, to be fair. It's not my fault. So I, I've never been a teacher, but I, through B Squared, I was always lucky enough that I could just take mornings off and go join in my daughter's school and their walk to the woods they would do mm. every so often. I did just go watch these teachers just take these children into the woods and... They either, the TAs or teacher did it on the way to school or at some point on the walk, they disappeared off and I never spotted them, but they would go and hide little fairy doors on the bottom of trees yeah. or things like that. And we would go find them on our walk and they would go, oh, someone lives here, who lives here? And you just having that experience yeah. and child's imagination goes off the scale. Yeah. And one time, and it was the end of reception or whatever, they, obviously someone went with a bin bag full of clothes, which looked like pirate clothes. <laughs> And hung them on a load of trees. And they said, oh, some pirates have left their washing here. That's brilliant. Which was so, and they all dressed up as these pirates. And then we just had like two hours playing pirates in the woods. That sounds fun. I want to do that. And there's a big log where they walked the plank and all this lot. Yeah. And I love that because that just got your imagination going. Much better than writing a story every single week. Yes. Where you're literally looking at the dryness of the structure. Yeah. Oh, they're going to started on this structure of, right, yeah, we won't go down that route. <laughs> whereas I, I would literally, it's like, Dave came into the room and said, hello. My daughter was like, Dave ran into the room exclaiming hello because he was so excited. I'm literally going, wow, you're in year two and you're kind of <laughs> writing that because you are literally thinking he's not just walking and saying hello, yeah, is how he? How is he walking? Yeah, and it's just doing? all that. So I'm literally reading it going, and it, and it was just the language. They just add these extra words in, which yeah. I couldn't tell you if it's an adjective or anything. I really don't know. A fronted adverb, well, it could be. I don't know. <laughs> and it is just, and I read it, and I'm literally looking at my daughter's handwriting in year two and year three going, this is better than my, what I wrote in my GCSEs. Wow. So I can see that what's going on is having such a huge impact. And for me, it's the play. Yeah. It's the role playing. It's the doing rather than just sitting in silence and writing. Yeah. And any school which is just pushing that to get through sets, I don't like you. <laughs> I like the schools who are 
helping your children imagine and allowing them to go off on tangents and exploring it and sharing it with people. No, I think that's so important. And it's really frustrating as well. If you've got a child that has loads of knowledge on us, I once taught a child and he was really, really knowledgeable about like dinosaurs and fossils and all of that, like had, you know, PhD level almost knowledge on these sorts of things. Get him to write it on a piece of paper. Nah, didn't want to do it because he didn't think he could spell or he didn't know how to, you know, get his subordinating conjunction in there and all of this sort of stuff and was so worried about how to structure it and how to get the spelling right and all of that, that all of this knowledge was lost. No one would know how much he knew about it. And, you know, as well as the imagination side of it, that side of stuff is really frustrating, isn't it? That they can't get, get it down when they have that knowledge there. So my nephew was a little bit like that. He was into like World War II planes. He knew all the variations of the Spitfire and what the differences were. He knew it all. Mm. But he had also dysgraphia. So he, he basically he wouldn't write. Mm. And we spent from year five battling to give him an iPad or a laptop or something. We spent years battling and people just, it was just, he just made it hard work. And finally in year 10, they gave him a laptop, which he was allowed to use all the time. Brilliant. And he made the most progress in that year of anyone in the whole school. He won the big school award for the most progress of anyone in the whole school. Not the special needs award, the whole school. That was how much of a barrier was removed by removing the physical aspects of handwriting. Yeah. But the problem was he learned to write his answers in the shortest way possible because he struggled to write and it hurt and couldn't spell. So he wrote the shortest answers possible. Promise for his GCSEs and A-levels, he had to write more he had to write it in a certain way which was much longer so he then had to relearn how to answer questions yeah because he'd just got the shortcuts version in his head of what was getting him by yeah and for me i I remember doing that in maths you've got to show you're working it's like i'm not going to waste half an hour writing all this stuff up when i know this is the answer and it is correct isn't it they're like yes but you got why it's that sort of thing is if i know the answer i can just write the answer down why do i have to format it in such a silly so yeah it was certain things that just have such an impact. So I don't like people who use tech as that last resource. No. It it should be what will keep them engaged in writing at that level. Yeah. And it might be you go to tech and it might be later on you bring in the pencil or the pen or you do something else. But you really want to get that love of writing to stay yes. you don't want to destroy that no I think that's the danger once it's gone it's difficult to get it back isn't it once you've lost because a lot of the time the kids will arrive you know fresh-faced with their big book bags and overgrown school uniform and they're looking all excited for learning and then suddenly that that excitement can go and then once it's gone it is very difficult to then build that child back up and bring that love of learning back yes yes and that's the thing is interesting I literally I can tell you I purely hated secondary school I think I enjoyed primary school. There were definitely aspects I enjoyed in primary school because I've got some happy memories. College, I didn't enjoy. I think my this was late 90s. The lecturers were rather rubbish. <laughs> and I also had a part-time job, which could give me lots of overtime. So I just chose job over college. <laughs> I scraped through with some A-levels, and that's great. And by judging that, you'd probably say I'm not academic. Yeah. Yeah, if you listen to me say that, and... You'd probably say, yeah, he's not going to do well because he's just not into education. I love learning. All I have done since the age of 22 is learn. Yeah. Probably even before that, 18, when I got my part-time job, I learned about that. If I had a reason <laughs> to learn, I would learn. And money is always a great motivation. Yeah. So where 
I've just learned everything about anything. So starting a podcast, I went and did six months learning all about podcasts <laughs> and all the different microphones. And now that I know that if I talk here, it gets louder. If I talk here, it gets really interesting. But if I'm over here, I learned all of that and all this stuff. <laughs> did you learn about those learned. buttons as well? I went somewhere to hear those I buttons. Learned, I learned these buttons which go. <laughs> I never Thank use them because... But they sounded lovely at the time and I really wanted them. <laughs> but I just do all this learning and I just learn and learn and on anything. And I literally, it's like short circuit, input, when he just flicks through that book. <laughs> That's me. So what went wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't that happen at school? And I, yeah, I, some of it was me. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, I, it, it, something went wrong in my secondary school life yeah. and I put it down to personally not knowing actually what I was doing this for. Yeah. So like lack of sort of motivation, intrinsic so, motivation. What's the point? Yeah. I've spent a whole term of doing Romeo and Juliet. I've no idea what I was supposed to get out of it. Yeah. Sort of thing. So yes, we've gone a, such a segue from learning through play to GCSE English. Here. I feel so like I did a bit back. of Dale Pickles therapy here as well. <laughs> Oh, that's what I love. That's what I love. These podcasts are just my therapy sessions. Like, oh, so you're into this. Right. Marvellous. Let's talk I'm about that. I'm channeling a bit of Oprah here. <laughs> my aim is to get you weeping. <laughs> that's, that's Dale weeping, by the I way. Try not to. I try not to. I try not to. But yeah, no, that's the thing is this learning through play. Mm -hmm. If you kind of just assume that a child is in year four, Right now, therefore, we just do the year four stuff as always, which is a sitting and writing. They've had like two, three years transitioning from that year one slowly to what you're doing in year four. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I personally, I still remember the heartbreak of walking. So I had an infant school and a junior school next to each other. Same site, different head teachers. Yeah. And I was in year two and I went to year three classroom in September. And it was just like, where's the sandpit? And I, I remember it hitting me. Oh, gosh. Where's the sand pit? Where's the water tape? Why are there so many tables? Why is this such a small space? Where's That's a tiny carpet. I don't even think there was a car. I can't remember. And it, I just, it was just a shock of it. And then it was in the afternoon. I'm going, are we going out to break yet? It's like, no, we don't have afternoon break. Oh, oh no. This is tragic. <laughs> I'm crying yeah. now. <laughs> I'm, and I literally, I remember hearing this in year three and just going, what yeah what's that, happened wow this is so yeah there's so many small transitions yeah which happen you go oh there's no afternoon but it's fine we're doing this and it is and it's that more at my level and it's that and i and i completely get but in reality if they've not been in for two yeah. years and i'm just talking about break times and losing my my sand table but <laughs> the whole the reading and the writing and the type of books and it's, you'll see this with kids. I find that my daughters will happily watch all the kids' films. Yeah. But then you watch a more adult film, and I'm not talking that sort of adult film, a more grown-up film, they can really lose interest. Yeah. Because you actually have to watch, and there's subtleties in the character. And they, they, there's sometimes they're lying. Yeah. Or they're, they've got other motives. Yeah. So which hidden. are much more complex. Yeah. And my kids are going, well, why is he doing that? Because of that. Well, why? Yeah. And you have to explain the motives. And that's the thing, those, those stories, we suddenly jump from a really simple, I want chocolate, let's go get chocolate, to something else. It's really complicated. And yeah. you need that sort of transition in your, write, in your reading and your writing. You can't just go from where's spot. Yeah, to suddenly to, reading 
chapter. How did he feel alone being on an alien planet? <laughs> Where's Spot? Yeah. What's going on here? No, I completely agree. And I think there is, when, when I was writing this book, it's due out in November, 21st November, How to Be a Sweden Writer Free Play. My publishers are we pleased that I just slipped that in. Yeah, when I was writing that, my husband said to me, like, but surely if you're writing it for slightly older children, how should shouldn't they just be doing writing at the desk? Why are you going to get them playing? Shouldn't they? And he was questioning me. And I think, I think it's good to question it. But I think the idea is some of this book probably won't fit into people's ideas. Probably more teachers, I think now it will fit in. But perhaps parents, like traditional views of like the current curriculum and how children should read and write and they should be doing it at a desk. It doesn't fit in with that at all. You know, in the book, you see things like water balloons and, you know, writing with various different sounds and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's not how you would imagine a child to be reading and writing. But I'd really like people just to try and have a go at it, embrace it and see if I can convince you that it works. Because if nothing else, you'll just come across as a really fun teacher or parent. (laughs) And it gets that bond and you need that bond with kids, don't you? Like you want that bond and you want those kids to enjoy your lessons or enjoy being at home learning with you or whatever. And if you can get kids having fun and enjoying themselves and build their self-esteem back up, make them think that literacy is like the best thing in the world, like sell it to them, then you're halfway there. Even if you think my ideas are a little bit bonkers. (laughs) So have you got, writing with sparklers no not in this one but i will nick that for a future book because that's one of the things i sit there and as as kids they're writing their name with the sparklers and you're watching their them shape and going right you've written this no (laughs) so it's a part of thing of you you're trying to write it really clearly so the other person can read it you literally you're writing with light at night it's fun yeah but you're, it, it just, it's a fun way of doing writing. Exactly. It's it just doesn't those have to just be of... like a pen. There's one, and I got my kids tested this one out during one of the lockdowns, which was, I got some, it sounds bonkers when I'm saying it, but I got some cling film and wrapped it around the bottom two legs of a chair. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Then gave them some board markers. And then they sat under the chair. <laughs> my husband, again, thought it was bonkers. He was like, what are you doing? It comes in from work. Going, it's an hour we learning. We're here. learning here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but... Like trying to get them to write on a piece of paper versus trying to write on this amazing see-through whiteboard that I'd created underneath the magical chair was like phenomenal. They were writing loads, sat under the chair, writing on there. They could see it. They could see if they could read it backwards. They were having, you know, it was, it's great fun. And I think a lot of, a lot of my book is just trying to not, not involve pens as much, which sounds, might sound a little bit out there, but trying to just make it, it's not just sitting at a desk with a pen. It is having fun and, you know, bringing it into the things they enjoy doing, which is running around, jumping, climbing under chairs, all of that sort of stuff. So in the last kind of year, I've learned about a thing called hypermobility. Yeah. Yeah. And then I do that. And I've got, I'm, I'm hypermobile. I'm going, oh, and that's why writing went, oh, that adds yeah, to yeah, it as yeah. well. And I've got a nephew who has the same thing. He basically, my finger joint bends backwards. Mm-hmm. So not quite 45 degrees, it's about 30 degrees backwards. So if I hold a pen, my final knuckle goes in. It looks quite odd when you do it. Testing to see if mine, no one can see. I'm just checking, checking myself out. She's doing the okay symbol at me. Okay, no. (laughs) But it is, it's just this whole, and I'm going, and it hurts, and you push you really hard. So yeah, yours does it as well. That's hypermobility. Apparently that's a, do a dysgraphia. I'm literally going, is it? And, but apparently it can hurt. Because you're holding yeah. a pen so hard and you're bending and it's stretching and things like that. So for him, holding a pencil or a pen, he has this issue. But if you give him a board marker, yeah. he holds it a very different way and yeah. he can write loads. And I think as well, it's things like it's the wetness of the ink as well. Because if you've got, like, sounds 
again sounds a little sounds bit ridiculous. Strange, it does sound ridiculous, but it's true. If you've got like a board marker, they often, apart from the rubbish ones that have been left on the side in my, my classroom when I was a teacher, but the, the ones that are good, the, the ink can be wetter and easier. And on a board, for example, it's easier yeah. to write, isn't it? If you've got like a really old scratchy pencil and you're trying to like <laughs> get it written down on paper, again, it's harder. So it's even thinking about what pen they use. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm right, I don't write very much of a pen anymore, really. But if I did, I have, a, I have my best pen that I use, my pen that I actually like, whereas kids are expected you know, just use any pen you've got. And I was saying what I was at school, it was fat. You only couldn't use biros. It had to be fountain pens. Yeah. And you had to have blotting paper and all this. Like, it's like, why would we still do this? Yeah. And that can be a huge issue for children who are left-handed as well. Uh, when I was researching for the book. It. Yeah, it's huge. Like that is a massive barrier to writing that I hadn't fully appreciated until I was researching the book. But left-handedness, you've really got to think about it, especially in your classroom. Like, you know, the positionings and they're not bumping elbows of each other, but also the, the type of ink you're using. If it's too wet, you get in the, the smudging whilst you're writing. Yeah. Just, so for them, a, a, a biro is good. Yeah. But for my, my daughters like like the gel pens, the fiber, they're so easy. They're like, like board markers in your hands. So, so yeah, the, the right pen, it sounds odd. It does. It literally sounds like brand I need daddy dad's trainers. It, it sounds like a bit like that, but it's not. No. They are, they're all different. And yeah, some pens are horrible to write with. And I literally, I just feel informed with pens. Yeah. But I will always go for a nice exactly. pen. I'll literally open the drawer and go, I'm not having one of them. Yes, that one. I'll fill it in. But in yeah, why one. shouldn't we like do the same for children? Why shouldn't they have their favourite pen and make it, you know, make it enjoyable for them and then want to write with it? It just seems, and it's the same with like reading, like the environment and reading. Like you expect kids to come home from school with a reading folder, for example, and then they've just got to, right, whenever suits the parents. I'm talking about myself here. I'm not blaming any of the parents. This is me. <laughs> so, you know, it fits in with me. We are going to do reading now. It's completely wrong. Like I don't, nobody says to me, right, Georgina, go and read your book that you're reading at the moment now like I don't want to I'm not in the mood for reading I I I I've sat on a really uncomfortable chair or I'd sit on the sofa or, or if it was sunny on a deck chair <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean I'd sit in a nice environment I'd choose my comfiest chair I'd sit the book I'd all of that and I do it at the time when I was feeling relaxed and when I wanted to read and I would enjoy it not because someone had said it fitted in with dinner but that's that's it. I was about to say come on dinner the whole thing of dinner time is if you're <laughs> Oh, and I just walked and went, it's lunch now. And you're going, <laughs> oh, I'm podcasting. <laughs> no, it's lunchtime now. And you're going, look, can yeah, you not see the headset in the mic? Yeah. No, it's lunchtime now. And you're going, that is like when you just say to your kids, dinner, with yeah, no warning, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you're doing to them. Yeah. And for every adult, you're generally going, should we have dinner at seven? Yeah, seven. And you kind of, it's in your head, you know, it's going to happen at seven. Yeah. Or how hungry are you? Like, yeah, are you ready for a dinner? Like, when, when should we eat? Yeah. So we've started, we now always generally give a 10 minute warning yeah because yeah there's for us for certain generations older when they used to play computer games you can just pause it but a lot of games now are online mm. and you can't pause yeah and this match will last 10 minutes and for them you tell them to get out of it is no and i'm completely with that i completely <laughs> agree yeah so by giving my daughters that 10 minute warning, if they are playing Rocket League or Fortnite, which they're thankfully growing out of, or whatever they're into at the moment, it means they can finish their whatever's going on and they know not to start another one. Yeah. 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 And they will generally come down just before dinner. Yeah. Or the moment we say dinner through the Alexa, they, <laughs> they literally are walking straight down. Yeah. And that 10 minutes, so just saying you're reading at this time, it's like, no, no, it's, you need to read this weekend. When's a good time? 
Yeah, and also you're not making it, you're not selling it. It doesn't sound particularly funny if it's like, oh, we've got to read our reading book before dinner. It's like, okay, so now you've said that as a parent, I think it's a chore. I'm, I'm implying that I think it's an awful thing to do when I don't. I think reading is brilliant. Obviously, I've written a book about it. But if I say to them, like, oh, yeah, now we've got to do your reading. We must get that reading done before dinner. I've automatically just told them that it's not a fun thing without saying it. I've made them not want to do it because I've told them when they've got to do it. It's just, it doesn't work. You've got to sell it. You've got to make it appealing. I wonder how many people listening to this podcast gave up playing a musical instrument when they were younger because of the practice. Yes, I did. Me. Me. <laughs> I'm not listening to the podcast, but I might do. <laughs> you gave it up because the, it, yeah. the way the parents told you to practice, yeah. and I remember practicing, and then I think my mum was outside or somewhere else, went, right, you need, I've done it. And I literally, I'd done yeah, it yeah. for the 20 minutes. No, you haven't. I'm like, I'm not doing that again. I used to do it just before the lesson. Like, I'd be like, oh, I haven't practiced all week. Right, I better go and do my, my lesson, like, my practice now before. And it was like, practice was a chore rather than yeah. what music should be, which is enjoyable. And now you get to this age, yeah. you're going, oh, I so I would love wish. to go and sit at the piano now. I don't have a piano now anymore, but I would love to go and sit at the piano and just play and just, yeah, enjoy it. I, yeah, I can play a couple of tunes on the piano. I can play a couple of things and that's about it. And I love that I can, but I wish that I kept that. But that's the thing, we, the way we present it as an adult is we've got our own lives and you've got to do reading. That's a good time for me. You're going to read then. Yeah. Which is not right. And I get it. It's hard. Like, you know, I'm a parent and I'm working and I get it. It's really hard to fit it in. I'm not, I, I'm guilty of it myself. So I'm not parent shaming anybody because I'm just as bad. But yeah, it's it's so important, isn't it? But it's, it's really tough to do it as well. And I think at schools as well, we've got to be careful when we're saying it, like as a teacher, just being careful the way we phrase it. Yeah. But it's not. And it is. It's, I, I literally, I can think of times where I've hated doing the bedtime story with my children. There's a book called You Choose, which is a picture book. It's what do, where do you want to live? And there's like a double page spread of different places you could live, including the moon, a city, a desert yeah, island. Sounds fun. Well, no, because <laughs> that's just two pages. And how long would that conversation last? <laughs> and you'd reminisce about holidays. So this, this like 20 page book could turn into an hour. And my daughter knew this, which is why she chose it. Which <laughs> Clever girl. She wanted to spend time with me and she wanted to not Aww. go to bed, which is lovely. It is lovely, Dale. <laughs> but I've not I've got time for this. But that's the thing. So as soon as you choose, I literally just go. Yeah. But we would have fun. Yeah. That's the thing is, as much as I go, oh, we had fun for that hour, but it meant I was supposed to be in a load of work. I'm now an hour behind type thing. And that's the thing. That's what often was the reason I didn't want to do things is my life. A bit is a bit is that selfishness yeah. of I've got to do this. And sometimes it's a whole work and money and things and I completely get that. And the other one is my daughter just didn't read. So we bought Kindles, so it wasn't a book. And yeah. one of my my eldest wouldn't pick up a big book. Right. She would read tiny books. Mm-hmm. So there's some fairy book which was a I know like five to millimeters. She'd read she'd fly through those so quickly. Like, you really did a book they just daunted her. Yeah, yeah. So I got a Kindle, I put a load of these short books on there and then snuck in a big book, but didn't tell her. And you can't really tell on a Kindle, can you? Because it doesn't, you can't so, see the thickness of the spine of the book. No. <laughs> That's brilliant. So I, she read, I went, you read all of them? I went, all of them. She went, you read all of them? She went, yes, all of them. I went, all of them? She went, yes. I went, even the one about the golden acorn? She went, yes. I went, you finished that? Yes. Like, because if I'm bonkers, I went, that's a big book. 
No, it's not. So we went to the Amazon yeah, website yeah. and it tells you how many pages. And it was 360 something. Wow. So I went and found another book, which was similar to that. And she looked at it and was like, oh. Brilliant. And it, it just instantly got her. Yeah, out Because she obviously that. got hooked on the book. Yeah. And just burned through it. Brilliant. So she read that whole series and loved them. We, the first one was free on Amazon with Kindle. Then you can buy the others. And we just kept doing these free starter books. Because if you like the series, we'll buy the rest. If you don't, we'll move on. And so she loved them. So I read those with my younger daughter, but she was just never wanted to read. I think there is, she has some issue around the reading and understanding. Yeah. But she'll happily listen to me read. Yeah. So I've now, I read her all six books, which are around three, 400 pages each as the bedtime story. Brilliant. And then... Thinking, right, she loves the story, she'll want to read it. No, here's another book. You want to read it? No, so I've read them. I bought her the book. Has she picked it up? No, mm. does she want me? And she's in year nine now to read it. Yes, yeah, so she likes the story. It's just something about her reading it and putting that effort or something she avoids, yeah. And I can't punish her for it because yeah, that will kind of destroy, but if she's loving, but you know in the sense of the book and the stories then that's great in itself because I put in, in my book I've mentioned as well like and again it sounds a bit controversial but having audio books is a good idea if you can't get kids wanting to read if your goal is to get them to enjoy books and literacy audio books similar to what you're essentially a walking audio book if you're reading it to her <laughs> yeah but it's the same thing isn't it it's getting them to realize that books are fun it might not always work, but and there's some brilliant ones, some audiobooks that now also have the text where you can read along to the thing when it's there. And it's just it's just finding clever ways, isn't it? And sort of trying to realise what your goal is. Is your goal just to get them to sit there and read every night or is your goal to get them to enjoy reading and to think that books are magical and have that experience that, you know, I've had reading books where you feel like you're escaping to another world. So what's strange is in two weeks' time, from the moment you're listening to this, if you've picked it up on the day of release, we're releasing a podcast with Dr. Sarah Mosley, mm -hmm. who we've just literally done about reading. Ah. And what is reading? Yeah. And that is someone has shared something with you that you are accessing. Yeah. That's what reading is. And we, books, audio books, mm -hmm. and I, I would argue films and TV mm. are reading. Yeah. I don't know. That's controversial, isn't it? I like... This is. Yeah. I, one of the things I would say, though, put subtitles on is another hack. Always put subtitles on your kids' TVs. It's all that sort of stuff. But it's... And when, when you think about is it, well, when you do... You're going back to GCSE, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. To help you understand the book, you'll watch a play. You'll watch the film. And you'll get more of it because you're, you're struggling to access the, yeah, the yeah. language. So you now watch that and it's helping you understand. So you're getting all the body language. You're getting that meaning, all that prepared because he's telling us a story. Yeah. And you could say it's all listening, but I personally feel that the spoken language, the speaking and listening is more conversational. Yeah. It's more that spontaneous communication. So. This is where me and Georgina, in our reality, she's using our speaking and listening skills. And you're, if you're listening, you're using this. But if this was, we were acting something out. Are we going to? Then we're sharing. <laughs> no, we're not. Thank God for that. <laughs> I'm really bad at that. Don't even start me in the comments I got in drama. But if we were acting something out, we were obviously, there's a script which was written. Mm -hmm. 
which they are then interpreting and sharing that meaning for someone else to watch. Yeah. So that's telling a story. So to me, that is reading. Yeah. At what point? Yeah. And if you, mm, you've blown my mind. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing. So don't just always think of it as a book, audio books. Yeah. So when you are talking, when you're reading a book to your child, are you saying that they're not reading? They're listening. Exactly. They're thinking about what's being said, that you're asking them questions. There's comprehension going on. You're comprehending the film. There's, it's, it's that, that film bit sits in the, yeah, I'm going to have a think about that film bit. That's, yeah, that's really got me thinking. I had never thought about it in that way, but it's like, at what point does the book, <laughs> this is deep, this is too deep, too deep for 10 30 in the morning. At what point does the book turn into no longer reading? Do you know what I mean? Like, if you've tra- changed the book into a film, or, yeah. So, wow. what, when we wrote our assessment framework on the engagement model, I don't like the terms reading, writing and spoken language or listening Mm -hmm. because that always reading denotes a book. Mm -hmm. Writing denotes picking up a pen. Listening means you can definitely hear and speaking means you can definitely speak and you have a, you can verbalise and everything and all this lot. But that's not always true. And I always use, again, Stephen Hawkins, my favourite example. Yeah, yeah. He would listen. And he could read. Yeah, so he can read and he can listen. But his external, his expression was through the computer. So he would respond to you with his sarcasm. All the stuff he would do came through his computer. But at the same time, he also used that computer to write his book. So when he's writing the book, is he speaking? <sighs> when he's typing something on the computer, is he even, speaking? I'm going to have to change the whole title of my book now. So we, I, I like the term spontaneous communication yeah. and recorded. Yeah. And as soon as you're sharing something for someone to access later, that's more the reading and the writing. Yeah. If I'm writing a letter to be sent across the world, yeah, or an email or a video message, it's non-interactive. Mm-hmm. So I've got to think about, I've got best explain this all clearly so they don't misunderstand. Yeah, because they can't not there to ask questions whereas i'm saying if i say something to georgina and she looks at me quizzically she can ask me a question and that's now speaking a listening thing yeah but if i'm just doing a pure monologue yeah that's more of a written thing because there's no interaction that's interesting isn't it one of the things i did say in my book in the introduction as well is with reading and like with special education needs and disabilities remembering as well that like a non-verbal child can also read and I think some yes. people forget that. And it, it's, yeah, just because, it, and just because a child might not have the fine motor skills doesn't mean they can't write. They could write, but just in a different way to how you're imagining. And I think that's got, you shouldn't dismiss people with the pleasure of that. They could be a brilliant reader and just not be able to verbalise it out loud. And I think that's really important to remember. I was like, Aaron Smith is dyslexic and he does a dyslexia show and he goes, I love books. And I kind of, went, but you're dyslexic was my initial. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. say that. Though, <laughs> no, but that was that my now. thought in the back of my head. And I sort of looked at him and we went, I listen and I just went, yes. Yeah. He he has struggles decoding what he's written on a page, but he listens and he loves Harry Potter and he watched the films mm. and then he listened to the books. Yeah. So the, and the thing is, it's all of that, watching a film and what you're seeing the stories, the film is a, is a version of the book, yeah. which has gone past audio into a visual thing with subtitles and, it's like to me all of that is still reading yeah yeah whether it's just at different levels and for some children 
So I, I find when I read a book, I, I visualise the characters in my head. Mm-hmm. But my daughter doesn't. No, I've been interested in this. I always presume people see it because when I read a word, no, when I say a word, I see the word spell out in my head. And I thought everyone did that. But I don't think everyone does. And the same with reading. Like you were saying, like, I see the pictures in my head when I'm reading it. I see that, but not everybody does as well. And it's so interesting. You always just view it how, you got to be careful not to view your experience of reading and writing and spelling as the same as everybody else's when it's completely different. I I, um, So often when I'm doing this podcast, as well as actually having an external conversation with the person I'm having a conversation with, I'm also often having an internal conversation with myself. <laughs> sounds, sounds confusing. It does sound confusing. But for me, if I want to do, if I'm going to do a presentation or anything, I can practice that all in my head. Yeah. Yeah. I can literally, I can read it in my head. I can imagine standing here and I'm doing all of that. Yeah. Not everyone can. No. Some people have to literally go and deliver it in a room somewhere. Yeah. They can't do it in their head. And it's just, and I've learned that we are all really different. It's not a couple of things no, that are different. No, no. And I've made so many assumptions that people, if I do it, everyone else does it. And I've really learned that that's not the case. And, but what's amazing is some things I'm amazing at, I'm just amazing. <laughs> but the next thing I am really bad at. So I then see someone else is good at it. So I'm like, well, how do you do it? And they explain it. They just do it in a very different way to me. And they have something I don't or things like that or I've never thought of it doing that way. And it's just sometimes, yeah, this, this thing in my head, it can be really interesting because I, I, you'll say something and I'll have like four responses going off in my head and I'll then be working out which one should I go with all while I'm having the conversation with you. Yeah. <laughs> which sounds really odd, but yet to me, it's just, no, just everyday uh, life. No, it sounds quite amazing. I'm just thinking maybe I need to learn how to do that for my podcast, Dale. <laughs> Well, no, because it's not always helpful because sometimes <laughs> there's like a Tourette's part of my brain, which is just saying what's rude and funny in this moment. And then there's the reflecting on my life part. Then there's me thinking about what's just gone in. The, so I'm literally kind of using different bits going and bringing it all together and going, well, what's the best bit to say here? Yeah. And I don't know if everyone does that. There was a film called Dreamcatcher, which is a Stephen King book. And I've, I've read the film. Is that now what we're going to start saying? <laughs> I've, read I've read the read film. That film. Yeah. But in there, there's a character and he has like a memory warehouse. So when he wants something, he just goes into his memory. And it's literally, he has a trolley and filing cabinets. You can just pull the stuff out and it's there and he knows it. Oh, that's cool. And my head's like that. Wow. So my head is just very strange. And I thought everyone's like this. And I very learned quite early on that, no, no, no my, my head is very different. And I think it's a difficult thing as a parent as, and a teacher is trying to remember that you've got to take away those assumptions that people learn in the same way that you do or experience things in the same way you do especially I think as a parent because you kind of presume your kids are just like miniature versions of yourself when they're not so it can be often completely different can't they yes so for me I yeah so my daughter I've got a daughter who's autistic and I've got a daughter I think's got ADHD and I'm somewhere but my wife is neurotypical yeah so my daughters will say something. I'm in my head, I'm going, I'm completely with you there. And then my <laughs> wife says something. I'm going, what, what are you on? <laughs> that is the worst thing you can do. And me and my daughters are all looking at my wife. And it's like, <laughs> but that's what she would have done. That's what would have helped yeah. her. So when you have the a neurotypical, typical, neurotypical, neurodiverse, that's very complex. But then you also have the, where your child has been diagnosed with autism. And you're literally going, but we all struggle with that. No, no. No, no, the world does, you might. Yeah. 
And that's saying sometimes parents are going, well, my child's got, but I just, everyone does that. It's like, no, because you're also yeah. could have autism. You've never known. And all those things you've struggled with, which you think are normal, everyone else doesn't struggle with. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of that, hasn't there? People sort of our age sort of realising that they're autistic because of the diagnosis of their children. And they're like, oh, okay. So that explains me and explains the, the, the history of me. It was Christine McGuinness, wasn't it, when she because she's got autistic children and she she was on tv wasn't she and saying about how she then realized actually she was as well super interesting it's quite a few when you sit there and you look at it for the child you're literally going oh yeah it's just it's really fascinating we really are segwaying all over the place in this podcast (laughs) it's that's exactly it but yeah learning starts with fun yes learning has to start with fun and I personally, my mum often called me Peter Pan. She literally, I'm 30 years old, I'm a parent. She used to look at me and go, when are you going to grow up? And I'm looking at her going, I pay my bills. Yeah. My children are well behaved. Why do I, what, what part of me hasn't grown up? Yeah, what is it you want me? Be more boring, basically. <laughs> basically, be boring. <laughs> and I'm going, well, why? What's the reason? Yeah. And I, I do find myself, do you ever, have you ever done this where you've kind of looked at the older future people, you're like maybe the next generation older, you're 10 years older than you, looking at them wearing beige type <laughs> thing. It's quite, it's a man's thing. It's like if you get to 60, beige. And I sit there looking at them and I think I was getting to like 40 something and having this, I'm not old enough. I remember seeing all these people with just these bad trainers, bad clothing, going, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> not ready. I, I can't. I literally... And you see these jokes and things, I mean, you've reached this age, you're now ready for the dad clothing. Oh Here goodness. are your sandals and white knee-high yeah. socks. And it's like, I'm not ready for this. And that's the thing is, why does it have to be boring? Yeah, maybe this is exactly what these year twos and year threes are thinking when their sandpits are taken away from them. <laughs> it is. But you know what I mean? It's like, what's happened? Why do I have to be at that next level? I'm still a kid. <laughs> and it is, it's, you, it should, less, learning should always be fun. Yeah. You shouldn't, you, you go into a job, hopefully you go into a job you're enjoying you don't go into a job to spend eight hours in hell no so what part of we start with play we then put the pressures of exams all the way through which are quite horrible and then you kind of come out and you can have fun in your why why can't we keep the fun part in school yeah and at least or at least as they're getting older some sort of motivation some sort of you know that you were saying like the reason behind it and the understanding of why I think that's... My, my daughter, she's in year nine and she's on the spectrum, but she's, I'm not going to say high or low, but I would say she's not hugely impacted. So she's doing well. She's quite high up in the set. So I'm really happy. She struggles with certain things, but we support her. She's joined the cadet, air cadets. Oh, wow. And she really likes that because lots of rules and it's, yeah. if you, you do it or you're out type thing. So it's, it's like if so she's not going why were they not doing it why we should be doing it, it, it i love it because she just goes there and everyone just does what they're supposed to yeah. and she's doing that and she's loving it and she's now going i want to be in the air force so two nights ago we sat down at my computer and we went to the air force careers website and we basically put down what she could do so we literally going right what are you interested in and it came with like a hundred different oh, jobs wow because and in the army or air force, you can basically do anything. You could yeah. be a chef, you could be a vicar, you could be a dentist, you could be everything because they have to travel with those people. Yeah. So we went to these hundreds of jobs, going, "Well, what's that?" Well, I don't know. And we're clicking on them all, and then we're looking at 
the pay. She goes, well, what's good money? Go through all that. But also, what are the prerequisites? Yeah. Yeah, what is it you need to do? And for that, it's, it's there's that fitness test. Mm-hmm. So it's you need to kind of stay fit. You never otherwise you don't want that to stop you stopping getting your yeah. And what are the yeah. qualifications? That's and so good topics. to be looking at it early, isn't it? And get, and then presumably you're giving her that motivation to do them because that is the reward, isn't it? Yeah, that's the reward. And she's talked about being a pilot or a drone pilot or a weapons officer or air traffic controller. And I'm like, right, so you need probably need to science. You probably can be, and we're going through the stuff she'll need. Yeah. So now she knows why I'm choosing it and I'm choosing it. Sarah, and it's just helping her be motivated. Yeah. And you, your school isn't going to give that level. No. <laughs> I remember my careers advisor. Oh my goodness. I bet you've got a story to tell us all about careers advisor. Oh, I went into this room and she just said, what are you good at? And I told her what I was good at. And then she just told me, okay, then Georgina, just go and look at the shelf. What? And then I just was left in a room to look at a shelf to pick some leaflets on different jobs. There was no advice. So, there was no, let's talk about it. It was just, what are you good at? Okay, we'll then go and look at the shelf. See, <laughs> most times from when I've talked to a woman from our generation, or you're just like, you, like, you, look, you look younger than slightly. me. You look younger than <laughs> not, so not as You're not as old as me. You're younger. Let's but, get that on record. <laughs> yes, definitely young. But I, I, when I say they literally, they're going shopkeeper, <laughs> nurse. It was a very sexist mm. thing. Oh yeah, definitely. It's and I think it is still quite sexist, but it was very much oh you're you could be a teacher, or you could be you could be a mummy. It was that yeah. sort of thing. Well, at least they were told. Whereas, I was just told to look at a shelf. <laughs> whereas I remember this computer, you put your interest in, it came up with some really rubbish things. I went, well, no, none of them are me. No. Yeah. So I think as a parent, your children are often gonna tempted to follow in what you do because they know it so i'm into tech so my daughters both love tech funnily enough my daughters because... have been trying to write a, write a little book <laughs> but they, but they, again, copy, they copy what they, they see yeah so there is a there's a pre, that pre- preference to doing that but the air force is a new thing it's, mm. it's her thing and go for it but that's the thing is she won't get that push from school no and i think with with S- with some SEN is you might feel that, well, if they just get a job, I'll be happy. Or you might not even be aiming that high. Yeah. But one thing I love, if you are talking autism and various other things, so I think I heard recently that you can list one of your skills as being dyslexic. Yeah, yeah, you can. Dyslexic thinking skills, isn't it? That's cool. So there's a certain recognition of, actually, there are some very interesting people who think differently and we can really use them. And if you have OCD and patterns and you like doing everything the same again, they'll want you in a lab. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> you've got to the same test a thousand times exactly the same way with no... So that's not every child with SEM, but there are options. There are things that children or young people with SEM can do. Mm-hmm. And I think the world is getting much more accommodating. Yeah. And there's various government schemes that can help you with that. But... You've got to, for them to get to that point, they've got to enjoy learning. Yeah. And they've got to see the point of it. And I think, you know, you were saying about seeing the point for your daughter when she's at secondary school and she's looking at being in the Air Force, etc. Just simple things when they're doing reading earlier on at primary school, simple things like is looking at what they're actually reading. Does it actually matter? It does not have to be the book from their reading folder because they may well not I've taught kids that do not see the point of reading that book why are they reading about Pip or whoever it is 
Chip and Biff and whatever, you know, brilliant books, don't get me wrong, sorry, but some of them do not see the point of finding out what happens when they fall in this puddle and get wet. Like, what is the point? Whereas, give them a recipe for a chocolate cake, they do see the point. Give them, I don't know, the instructions. Go go to to the train station, ask them to find the train to blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. So actually thinking about ways to make it relevant and useful for them, because another reason we do reading if we don't do it for or writing isn't just because it's we enjoy it but it's because we've got to because it's useful <laughs> and we need to do it so if they don't yeah it needs there needs to be a point to it there needs to be a reason for why you know like reading a street signs reading a menu yes. that's, that's a good point to choosing the, your favorite ice cream on the menu isn't there like all of these little things you can yeah give them, give them your phone and ask them to put some music on yeah or google their christmas presents that's a good one yeah. <laughs> I just gave Suddenly you a phone, put can, some music they on. They can write everything. <laughs> oh, yes. Let all go. of a sudden. <laughs> on a, a really good tip if they can't write yet, but you want to kind of do that letter to Santa, Argos. Is Argos gone now? Uh, Argos is cut. Is it gone? I don't know. Oh, you can't get the catalogue. No. The catalogue. If you can get hold of a catalogue from anywhere, get hold of a catalogue. Mm-hmm. Ask your child to cut out what they want for Christmas and stick it on a piece yeah, of paper. Yeah, we've done that, yeah. Because they're still reading. They're still comprehending what they're looking yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, And then they're writing a letter. Yeah. So that's, you can, there's, there's so many levels. But my daughter made the mistake. I love maths and tech. She said, I just don't get the point of maths. Mm. Why are we doing it? And I was like, and she said this on a Friday. And I was like, oh, you're done. <laughs> so we go, we go get takeaway. Well, how much is that? Are we, are we doing maths? Do you have to work out the change? <laughs> And they're just all weekend. It was like almost every five minutes. Well, when's lunch? Well, it's half 12. Are we doing maths with time? <laughs> and it just went on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the weekend she went, I get it. <laughs> we are doing maths it. all the time, I understand. I get it. And that's the thing is sometimes they don't understand what they're doing. As you just said, what they're doing in school, where they use that. Yeah. And if they like George Ezra and they go, we'll put some music on. They've got to get the phone out. They've got to type in George Ezra. Yeah, yeah. They've got to read George Ezra. They've got to work. They've got to comprehend the interface and hit play yeah. to listen to their music. So now you've given them a really good reason of G, 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 G. And you, you say, yeah, Alphabet, you're literally, you're giving them a reason to read. Yeah. And, it, and that's what it's all it about. Is, isn't it? And just stepping away from your traditional views of how you think reading and writing should be done and making it more accessible for the kids, I think is a huge one because, yeah. It doesn't have to be they come home, sit and read the reading book. Well, obviously they do if they need to for school. I'm not going to get anyone in trouble, but there can be other things as well. <laughs> it's interesting when you do, like I was a governor of my daughter's school, when they do the parental surveys and you get feedback going, I want my daughter to do it more English and maths worksheets. <laughs> I think there should be more time to take all this lot, lessons. We shouldn't be going to the woods. We should be doing this. I'm literally going, you don't understand. You're just trying to go, this is what I did. Yeah. That's- and this was good enough for me. It's good enough for you type mentality. Not questioning, is that the right thing? Yeah, and I think there's a danger, isn't there, that everyone has been, well, major, vast majority of people have been to school. So everyone has their experience and their expertise, they feel, of the education system when they haven't taught in it. And I think that can make it Yes, and they also haven't reflected. Also, you haven't had the, well, that's how I had it, so that's the only way, rather than, well, here's five ways, which is the best. Yeah, and you haven't taught and lots of different children who work in different ways, either you've just been yourself in the classroom, and yes. that worked for you. You haven't seen how it doesn't work for everybody and how that would not work if you tried that with so-and-so and how this would work with so-and-so. Yes, definitely. So let's wrap this up because we have been talking for a while. <laughs> so thank you for coming to the show today, thank Georgina. Thank you.
Thank you for venturing onto another podcast. Yeah, I didn't ask too many questions. <laughs> so Georgina has given me some links to share. One of them is her podcast, if you haven't already went and found it while you're listening, and also her books and some other bits. And also be sharing Georgina's contact details, which also has a blog and things like that. You'll find the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast or on our website. Thank you for listening. So if you haven't subscribed already, please do subscribe. You can find the links to subscribe across all the different podcast platforms on our website. And please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at The Sendcast. On Facebook, The Sendcast. On Instagram, The Sendcast. So quite easy. And if you listen to us through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you can find us way to review us anywhere else, please leave us a review and let others know what you think. And finally, if you are struggling to show progress, if your assessment process is overcomplicated, takes too long, or you just want to see what is available, have a look at the B-Squared website or book a free meet online meeting with me so I can take you through our products. We have a range of assessment products to help all schools show small sets of progress for pupils with SEND. And if you are a school in England and still confused by the engagement model, not sure about the pre-key stage standards or anything else, get in contact. Or if you're a school in Wales with a new curriculum for Wales, we've got loads of stuff for you. You can find about also our online training, our conferences. You can read our blog, watch our webinars. It's all on the B Squared website. You'll find a link to the website and to book a meeting with me in the show notes as well. So thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. Oh, and goodbye from me. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.